Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a cracked windscreen family hall, a special edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. So, a cracked windscreen family hall. Is this just starting to sound a bit like the family truckster? <laughs> uh, Wagon Queen family truckster from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Andrew, you're going to probably have to start and explain to people that we're not talking about the Saab. No, we're not. We finally, after many years of discussing getting a new vehicle for the family, went and after being given an incredibly tight remit, <laughs> I'll go into that later, we selected a new car to basically drag all of us, on the few times that all of us are doing something together, but to drag all of us around the countryside with all the stuff that accompanies five people, three of which are continuing to grow, which I think is quite offensive now. Mm-hmm. They, they can stop. But they, yeah, so we had to get a new family car that would fit us all comfortably to be able to go off on holiday or just go visit my folks, things like that. So yeah. we, we finally took the plunge a couple of years ago and it's that we're actually late to doing this. We're very late. We've been meaning to do it for ages, but then life universe, everything has, has been in the way. In the end, what was the decision? What, what, what was the brief? Cause you've said, you said there was a very tight, tight remit. Do you want to start with the requirements or do you want to actually just tell us what it is and then tell us why? Yeah, I think I'll start with what it is. In the end, we plumped for a second-generation Citroen Berlingo. That's one of those cars from a van, and this time it's based on the Berlingo Peugeot partner van. Um, it was first launched in 2008, and they ran up until 2018. Mm. Ours is a 2017 multi-space flare. Ooh. Multi-space means it's the MPV. Now, people who who who, will, who have been long-term listeners to the podcast will remember back in the days when publications like us were allowed to drive Stellantis cars. <laughs> I'm not bitter. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bitter about the wording there. Yeah. Then then you did actually have a. It was a Peugeot equivalent, wasn't it? For the a Rifter. week. Uh, the, for, the latest the, the generation was the latest yeah. generation, and you absolutely were head over heels in love with it. Oh, it was it was brilliant. We did actually at the time try and get hold of one. We found one that was the right spec, the right color, everything. But then the dealer went silent, and we had we had urgent needs for a vehicle, so mm. we went down a generation. Actually, saved not far off half the price for yeah. virtually the virtually as good a car. Um, it's just the aesthetics, really, and some of the tech that's in there uh, was very much second generation rather than the latest stuff. So tell us a bit about the engine then. Right. So the choices for the uh, Berlingo and the Peugeot partner at the time were 1.6 litre petrol or 1.6 diesel. Ours is the diesel. Obviously, I'm a wicked and evil murdering person because I've chosen a diesel vehicle. And it produces a whopping 100 metric horses. Hey, don't diss. Plenty of hot, plenty of hot hatchbacks that don't, that don't weigh that much less put out a whopping 100 metric horses with probably significantly less torque as well. Yeah. It's claimed a combined MPG of 67.3. Never got near that, to be honest. Mm. But then again, when these are tested, I don't suppose it's with five people in there, two of which are, or, four of which are nearly adult-sized, and then all yep. their stuff, etc. But unlike the first generation of the Berlingos, this was actually designed as both a van and MPV from the start. It's not surprising when you look at the sales, because on the first generation, 50% were in MPV form. So they've obviously gone, oh, hang on, 
let's see if we can <laughs> tap into this market a bit more. So it's it's more refined. Obviously, it is based on a van, and there are van elements to this, like some of the interior finishes and stuff like that. But we'll get into that. But it is much more designed to be a car as well. Despite there being some hard plastics. Yes. <laughs> so there's four possible trim levels when it started out. So there was touch, feel, feel edition, and XTR. <laughs> I'm not making them up. Most of which could get you in trouble. <laughs> yes. As the car got older, this got reduced down to just feel and flare. <laughs> it's not getting much better, is it? No, not really. <laughs> the remit. Why did we plump for car from van? I'll say that I pretty much hit the remit for suggestions. I'm not going to claim choosing because that would be a lie because mm-hmm. there are more senior people in this family who made the final choice <laughs> and decided, yes, that was acceptable. So we needed a vehicle that would sit five of us properly in three separate seats across the back as well. None of the two and two thirds, two and a half. Kids are getting older. They're getting bigger. The idea is that we will own this vehicle for several years. So they are going to be adult size. Mm-hmm. It is envisaged by the time we move this on. We needed it to be able to cope with what is going to happen in the future. We thought ahead for a change, which is amazing. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> it's going to need to carry all our stuff, which obviously changes over time, whether we're going on a holiday near the coast, so normal stuff that you would take to the coast, or whether it's going off into the, the hills or wh- whatever it is. But we needed it to comfortably swallow our stuff without cramming up the back window and blocking it out and all this other thing. It just needed to be easy to use. You didn't want your toilet paper to be squashed, your back packet of toilet paper to be squashed against the back window of the, the no. car. That was basically I it, was actually it? like looking out the back window when I'm driving along, <laughs> if I can. <laughs> I'd really prefer if you looked at the front window. It's generally seen the seen the safer. <laughs> not only is there that, but we needed it to be not too big. Because the easy option is you go and get, you know, the Transit MPV or the Hyundai i800 or the the Citroen multi-space mm. thingy. You just go for a big Transit-sized van with seats in it. But but then you have all the challenges of parking and stuff. Yeah, that was deemed too big because. The idea is that Mrs. Crackwinskin would drive it as well. So the, she, she needed to be confident to get in there and not go, well, this is just an enormous bus I'm trying to drive. That's mm. ridiculous. You go and you want all this space, but you're trying to do it in a, full, in a small footprint. That was the trick, really. And we didn't go down the more traditional MPV route because we wanted the luggage capacity, being brutally honest. It's because you just dislike them. And I don't like them at all. I've had many conversations with many people who have them and like them, but I don't think they are fully fit for the purpose they are made out to be. They are fine to carry people, or they are fine to carry some people and some stuff, or they are fine to carry stuff. We needed something that would do all of it. I, I, I will confess, I, I found a similar issue yesterday with with sort of four adults plus a sprog in a baby seat, and even then it was a case of, well, okay, there's not a lot of luggage space whenever we've got all this space for the people yeah so that really leaves you only with the car from a van market so you've got options like the Bolingo, the rifter now the per, uh, the partner then generation before you've got ford torino uh connect and then you've got the volkswagen caddy life life yes looking at all those options to get a similar aged and similar mileage ford or vw 
they were quite expensive. They are very much at the top end of the price range. The Fords are still rare and still relatively new. And mm. the Volkswagens, you always have a Volkswagen tanks. Yes. Because you can slam it and take it to meets and shizzle like that. Yeah. So we we couldn't find a partner with the spec we wanted, um, but we did find the Belinga. Cool. That's, that's how we ended up with what we did. Excellent. So there's the context. There's the background. Tell us about the outside of your van. <laughs> well, as a van, <laughs> you'll have seen them as a van and you'll have seen them as a, a car. They are very popular and they continue to be, uh, and especially now that there's the new generation as well, which looks totally different. Uh, you probably not pay too much attention to them because the looks are a bit anonymous. It was of the period of Citroen where it was just sort of, we're going to do quite bland, mm-hmm. particularly up the front. So the the front end looks a little bit droopy-nosed, and it's well, there's no real statement in it. Well, this this is the start of the evolution from being really bland <laughs> yes. into being quite bland into now being, oh, that's a little bit crazy. <laughs> yes, they they have definitely stepped away from it now. Obviously, because of the uh, the the shape of it, there's lots of glass. Lots of glass on the straight sides, the straight back, and the windscreen's huge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so y- your visibility out is pretty good. I'll come to a bit of that, though, later on. There's really easy access into it. The doors open very wide up front. It's not a, They're not heavy either because it's van-based. And it's Citroen, and it's of that that generation of Citroen, yeah. Yes. So things are like the car itself isn't very heavy either as a consequence. For the rear passengers, it's sliding doors. Oh, yes, that was something I really wanted, particularly as we no longer can take advantage of the parent and child parking spaces. Mm-hmm. Anything that means the kids don't accidentally get caught out by a door opening into somebody else's car or whatever and it it, to be honest on some parking spaces it's just an absolute boom that you can do that because everybody can get in and out slidey doors i mean my my neighbors previously they'd moved from a ford c-max with the slidey Mm -hmm. doors to a bmw 2 series active tourer and they were saying that one of the things that they missed most was the slidey doors yeah in fact it was the only thing they missed really was the slidey doors uh, it's easy for everybody to get in and out as well because there's a little bit of a step, but it's not huge or anything because you're slightly jacked up uh, mm-hmm. in, in this vehicle. But you could get three car seats across the back. I can't remember if they've all got ISOFIX, but there is. If your uh, if your child is in one of those seats that has the seatbelt that goes through the back because mm. they're much bigger now, definitely three of those would go. They are there's three dedicated seats across the back. Cool, excellent. So, which moves us kind of into talking about the interior already. So, why don't we just just zip onto that in true motoring podcast fashion? Yep. Now, what you're going to hear, everybody, is I'm going to take you on a little tour, mm. just you and me. I'm going to take you and show you round. Hopefully, I describe it right. Hmm. We will now go to the tour of the car. Right. Okay. So, this is the motoring podcast. We're going to start at the back. This is where we get to see. One of the really interesting features, and that's there's two ways to get in the boot. The first is via just the window. So it just opens the back window area, allowing you to get into the top of the boot by just flicking back the parcel shelf and accessing stuff that you want to if you can't open or you don't want to open the full boot. 
itself with the window attached so you shut that back down before you open this again and then the big boot bit and then you've it it opens from the top uh, and sits at almost 90 degrees over the top of you allowing you easy access into the large square space there are no curry hooks in the back unfortunately but uh, there is one small shelf compartment on the right hand side that means that you can that you can store stuff in i've got my tire pump in there at the moment there are hooks on the flat floor that you can use a cargo net with um, which I do sometimes, but generally I don't really put any stuff in the boot unless it's to fill it up hugely um, because there are other storage options in the rest of the car. Uh, interestingly, there is a, a cloth strap on the boot lid on the inside to help you pull it down, um, which then means you can just slam it shut like that. Then if we move to the rear passenger areas, then we get the lovely sliding doors. You step up a little bit, and then immediately you'll notice that it's virtually a flat floor. But for the outside passengers, there is a small storage area under the floor with a plastic lid, well, a plastic lid with the carpet covering it. These aren't terribly strong, so you do have to warn your passengers not to stand on them to get across, because they will crack, as has happened with ours. Somebody over-enthusiastically got in. As I've said to, to Alan in the show, there is a ton of space here. There's three full seats that you can easily sit in. Again, the outside passengers, though, they get tables. Like you're in an airplane. <laughs> They're not really very strong, and you wouldn't use them when you're driving around, but there is a, a small cup holder and a flat area, so you can have, like, a sandwich and a drink. There is a curry hook on the outside edge of the table fitment to the front seats, on the back of the front seats, where you can hang a bag off, but the bag will be dangling about. It doesn't actually fit to the floor. And there on the left-hand side of both of the front seats in front, there's um, a little small pocket, as you would expect as well, for people to throw stuff in. The windows in the side, actually, oh, they're not... That's me shutting the door. They're not proper windows, they just flip out. So you clip them out like that, just to let a bit of air in. But you don't really need to because the aircon's really very good in this. Another note for the flare is that it has some it has some spaces in the roof lining where you can get internal, effectively internal roof bars and put them on the inside. And that means you could lie things inside the roof of the car but out of the well out of the way of any passengers you'd have to be incredibly tall to actually hit your head on anything there so you, if you're thinking like bodyboards that sort of thing so that's where you're looking at the shoulder of the rear windows is quite high-ish it's not too bad and there's a it's a very small pocket in the door that's effectively useless. I think you can put two sheets of paper in it thickness-wise. So uh, that is a bit of a waste of space. But basically you've got a lot of space, you've got a lot of visibility out from the back and no one feels claustrophobic or um, like they're trapped in, in here. So I'm gonna move to the front now. And we sit in the front and we have nice 
comfortable seats. There is an armrest on the uh, inner portion of the seat where it for both the, the passenger and the driver. So where the transmission tunnel that doesn't really exist would live. That's where the armrest is. Uh, you sit very upright, almost like you're in a bus. It's that sort of seating position, but that's the van-derived um, issue there. They could do with more bolsters on the side. You do sort of slide about a little bit if you're on the more enthusiastic style of driving. But they're comfortable. I mean, you sit for many hours and you're fine with it. So that, from that point of view, there's, there's no qualms or complaints. For the driver, what have I got? Well, in front of me, I've got the steering wheel that, because this is an older vehicle, only has the horn on it. There is a switch on the lower left-hand side of the steering wheel column that has the cruise control and speed limit on it. On the right-hand side opposite that is the radio and infotainment style of things, so it's the volume and whether you skip ahead and that sort of stuff. Uh, left-hand side has the indicators and lights. Right-hand side stalk is the wipers for the front and the back. Through the steering wheel, you've got a rev counter on the left. You've got in the middle, the dial is petrol and water temperature. On the right-hand side is the speed. There are a few, oh, it's a very old school red LED indicated for miles and that sort of information. So it's not, it's not adaptable. It's not like a new car where you can set up all sorts of different versions there. We move to the left and in the center, there is a small touchscreen, quite basic graphics and all the rest of it, but it's got DAB radio. Um, it does, gives you basic information about the vehicle, such as your trip computer stuff, that sort of information. Also, there is the ability to connect to the internet from it, but you can get your Apple CarPlay as well. I don't know if it does Android Auto, but it definitely does Apple CarPlay, which is what I use all the time. Anyway, below that, is the controls for the air conditioning and climate control. So it's knobs for the heating, and this can be on either side. There isn't a dual function, so you don't set one, so the passenger has their own ability to change things. <sighs> set it at 21, 20, and just leave it on auto, and it does the thing for me. But there's buttons and dials, uh, so that makes it handy. Below that, you get to a bit of a projection out from the dashboard, which is it's quite vertical, which houses the raised up gear lever. So it's very close to the steering wheel. You're not reaching down and you're not got like the old 70s five foot long gear lever or anything like that. So it's, it's very close to where you need it. Just above that, though, are buttons for the rear doors for child locks. Also, there's locking the whole car, hazard warning and the windows, as well as a 12-volt charging port for iPhone charging and stuff like that. Underneath that, uh, the gear lever, there's this little tray, is the best thing I can say about it, that I presume you just throw change in. And on the left-hand side is the, well, is probably one of the best curry hooks I've seen because it, it is actually at the right height that the bag will sit on the ground but it goes in the uh, front passenger footwell. Below that is an, another tiny little sort of shelf thing for a pen or something like that and in that space is also the USB connector to enable uh, Apple CarPlay. 
to to work. There's a gap in everything between the gear lever and then for our car, because we don't have a cubby box fitted or anything like that, there's just like a tray with several sections. So there's a couple of drink cup holders, which are as effective as a chocolate teapot for holding anything in place. Then there's a small plain flat tray and it goes back. And then there's another tray, which is where a cubby box would be slotted in on top of if it was actually one of the options that had been ticked. Uh, as this was based on a working vehicle, there are yet more storage options. Between the steering wheel and the windscreen, there is a small closable cubby box that houses the user manual. On the left-hand side is the wonderful, infamous French car glove box, which is useless for anything larger than, say, a small pack of cards. Looking above, though, because there are there is still more storage, above where the uh, courtesy light and the sun visor sit, there is like an airplane shelf. And in that, I do keep a few things to stop them spilling out, so like the carrier bags. So I, I've got an, another place to put bags for life and forget them without taking them to the shops. It's a great vehicle for being used it's not pretentious it's not pretending to be something else so everything that's in here like the materials that are used are hard in in a lot of areas there's a lot of hard plastic a lot of you know sort of that sort of stuff that's you know not there to be caressed fondling oh this is lovely materials it's there to last and not break easily wipeable if it gets mucky and all the rest of it you can see, though, from that tour... Well, you can hear anyway, yeah. Yeah. The strength of this is the interior and how it's laid out. You are able to put so much, so many things, people, and everything into the inside of this in a relatively small footprint. Mm -hmm. And that's its strength. I mean, that's why you bought it, really. I think we just discussed that one. It's a little socks off already, but it. Yeah. But yeah, that's what you buy. It's... It, Dare I say it, is a box with plenty of space inside and an engine. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fit for purpose. Yeah. So how does your box with an engine drive then? Uh, well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, such a cruel sod. <laughs> it's okay. I'll just send you more I go pictures. He's going <laughs> to lynch me later for these, I'm sure. <laughs> so it's van based. You're not looking at kissing apexes on twisty B roads and stuff like that. It, but it, this is set up for comfort. To be fair to Citroen, the ride is more to the comfort end of things. So there is a bit of leaning corners and stuff like that. And it can sometimes get caught out if the road surface and layout is a bit naff. Right. Can I quickly say something here? I think you're being a bit unfair to the car. Having followed the, well, having driven these as well uh, and then having followed them across rural france you saying that you don't imagine it's be t kissing apexes on twisty b roads is really unfair to the car because you've seen the way that some of these are are driven and they are actually completely capable of doing that i mean oh, yeah. sure the wing mirrors might be scuffing the pavement <laughs> but they can do it and it's really one of their most amazing features is when you're on your own in it that ride comfort it will just cling on like a limpet on heat i have surprised some cars yes when i've been in the van on my own that is true however when you've got five up yeah yeah that's different if i am in family mode i am 
trying to drive it in comfort and all the rest of it. Sometimes it can get caught out by road surfaces and it starts to get a little bit jiggly and you do get the odd mumble of complaint. But if I, if you're on your own, like you said, it's so light mm-hmm. and it grips well. You can hustle along quite yeah. nicely. And all the weight's down low as well. So Yeah. Uh, the engine, though, is a bit on the weedy side, particularly if you're five up with stuff. There are some hills that you do need to change down on, even on dual carriageway motorways. But having said that, if I'm on doing a long journey on dual carriageways and motorways, I'm still getting 50, 55 mile per gallon. If I'm just around town, I'm getting 39. It is, it will not go to 40. It is constantly 39 point, it's high 39 point something. Yeah. <laughs> I sit there, I'm going, right, I'm going to have to start coasting once yeah. down half the roads just to get it over good 40. practice. I can just imagine you, it's the first person in the world to hypermile a Bolingo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've mentioned this before. You sit slightly jacked up, which means when you combine it with all the glass that's there, that you have great visibility and if you are so inclined, you can anticipate a lot of what's happening ahead of you, which perhaps some others don't or yeah. aren't able to because they're lower down. Mm. But I have to say, the B pillar is huge. So if you check your blind spot, mm-hmm. you really have to check your blind spot probably a couple of times. Right. Last summer, I lost a mini countryman in there. The plus side of that was that you didn't have to look at a mini countryman even for a fraction of a second. So let's silver lining. I did after to wave an apology. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Fortunately, everybody understood that it really was a, oh no, because it was before I'd done anything too drastic. Mm. And sometimes with the A pillar, you need to lean slightly just to, if you're going around a corner, just to see slightly round. As it. a Yaris driver, I am very familiar with that particular movement. They're the two things I'd say, but definitely that B-pillar, keep an eye on that. Once you're in the mode of that, it's no problem at all. But generally, refinement and stuff? Yeah. It's, it's, it is not. You don't think, oh God, this is a van, isn't it? Oof. You're not thinking, you're thinking, I'm in a car. Mm-hmm. I'm doing car things. And it's pretty economical with it as well. And I, you just keep up with traffic because, you know, th- those, it, those couple of times you have to change down, but that's changing down and you are keeping up with traffic. So it's not like you're then going, Oh, I'm going to have to get down into first and watch a lorry go past me. It's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But you, you're not sitting in fifth, say. Okay. That's, what more can you ask for? Sorry, I just don't mm-hmm. really have anything to yeah. say about that one. Technology. Is there any? Oh, yeah. It's a couple of bits. It's certainly not this latest generation where every electronic aid has been thrown at every car mm. that comes out. So, uh, terms of tech, what have I got? Uh, I've got a manual cruise control, Ooh. which works perfectly fine exactly as i expect it to work it does that yeah speed limiter as well front and rear parking sensors i can activate apple carplay and hey this uh, wait a minute this has it. more tech than any of my cars <laughs> genuinely this has more tech than any of my cars it's not got inbuilt sat nav but you've got carplay so who cares but yeah i can use the uh, i can use it an app so that's fine but i i do know at the time when you buying these and specking them new Options were not of the cheap side of things, so I can right. see why it got left out. If you've got, as I say, if you've got CarPlay already, I wouldn't expect it extra. No, 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 it doesn't need it. So overall, I mean, I'm seeing quite a few people on Twitter. Um, Fred the Shoe in Seabrook, uh, Hopnot Vids, mm-hmm. has also recently bought an older Bolingo and is in love with it yeah. already. 
I mean, you predated, of course, all of you. You were the trendsetter that set all of this trend, despite not really having talked about it. Everybody just felt your aura <laughs> <laughs> and then put it down again quickly. <laughs> uh, so what do you, I mean, lots of other people are hugely, huge fans. Uh, James Walsh, Practical Classic, I think it's another one. Huge fans of the, the, the Bilingas they've just bought. You've had yours for a little while. Are you still a huge fan? Absolutely. Whilst the latest Rifter would have been nice, that would mainly have been for toys and stuff, mm. not for. I don't. It would not add to what we want to do. No, we'd just have had more to talk about in the technology section. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this is a no nonsense, no mega frills. Honest does what it says on the tin, and that's exactly what we need. It, it continues to do what we want it to do and continues to tick the boxes that we originally set out, mm -hmm. I will happily argue long into the night that oh, the goodness. van-derived car is a better option for most people than what they're plumping for now. Mm -hmm. Unless one of your top two requirements is it must be a status symbol and the looks. E even then, you things. can still buy a Volkswagen badge one. Yeah, don't be funny. Um, or, or there's the new the new generation of Mercedes Citan if you're really that desperate. Yeah, which supposedly, by the way, is very different from the last one, which we had a hilarious review. Yes, um, but I was I was going to say that the latest offering from car manufacturers they've cottoned on. They are plusher now, hmm. while still doing the same job that people want. They want a straight back. They want straight sides. They want the flexibility of removing seats if you need to. Three adults could sit across the back, no problem, and it still does it in comfort and it does it economically. And you are at the, you know, you're able to get there in the same day you want to get there, type thing. Yeah, uh, and, and still with hearing, and still with back, yeah. and all these other things, legs, all these other important factors. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm. It's not only me that's happy, but the family are still really happy. <laughs> the, 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 the two are related, aren't they? Yeah. Yes, quite. Being very smug, I'm delighted I could get to the exacting requirement because there's others that were never, I've not mentioned, that were not necessarily voiced, but I knew with about yes. that I've managed to hit as well. <laughs> yes. No, that's excellent. I'm really glad that you're pleased with it and, and you know, you're a happy two car family. Yes. And everyone is a part of that happy two car family. <laughs> yes. No, it, it's awesome. I haven't actually seen it, have I? No, no, I haven't. Because no. you've always had something slight, something different, yeah. or you've had to start up. Yeah. Anytime we've met up. No, awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for sharing that uh, and sort of your, your decisions and thinking and stuff. Because that's long-term tests and real-life reviews and all these kind of fun things. Well, I think it's important because people will pick them for different reasons, hmm. and and we all need to when we're picking a car, we do we do need to go. I mean, it's easy for us the car geeks and nerds of course we've got a list we've probably got several pages of lists actually i'm finding that makes it just harder well the run-of-the-mill people off the street who don't consider cars like we do but still need to they still need to do things for them hmm. they, they need to follow that sort of process as well yeah yeah absolutely awesome anyhow folks don't forget between now and the next time you can give us any feedback 
share your thoughts to the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, if people want to know more and tell you how you can tune it so you don't have to change down on sort of long hills with a long load, uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crap Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and point out that you should not have ribbed me quite as much as you did, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, Twitter, definitely, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll both be back before very long. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.